Hello, this is Rich Potter, and welcome to the What's So Funny podcast. Here we are again. Welcome back. Now, I hesitate to say this will be a short podcast today because usually when I say this is going to be short, it ends up being long. I am in the process of doing a bunch of things, trying to get uh, my brain back on track, uh, getting some tasks done, that onerous tasks that I don't really feel like doing, and the podcast is one thing that is enjoyable, but it takes me away from them, as well as I've been doing a lot of artwork recently, and artwork is lovely and fun, and it keeps my skills up for that side of my abilities, but it's also a, a wonderful technique for procrastination. And one of the things that got me procrastinating from was planning on what I was going to talk about on this podcast. So I looked down at what's in front of me, my pencil, and it got me thinking. So I have been using the same notebook for a number of years. Uh, It's a pro art, art tools and supplies, five and a half by eight and a half spiral bound, uh, 65 pound paper. Uh, notebook, 80 80 sheets per notebook, uh, 160 if you want to use both sides. Usually I don't because I don't like the art art bleeding through. Acid-free paper. And for years I've been using the same pen, which is uh, a Pentel... uh, It's a Pentel... I don't have one on me right now because... I'm talking about pencils today. And I'm sitting in my office, which is, uh, I'm sitting on a fallen tree in the middle of the woods in lovely Greenbelt, Maryland. And it's a Pentel, it's a one millimeter and it's archival ink. And I should, uh, something deluxe. I order them once uh, every couple of years. I get a couple dozen of them and then I don't have to think about what they're called anymore. So that's why I don't know the name of the pen that I've been using for the last 15 years. Drawing with a pen I found is uh, it, it kind of fit the nature of the beast how I how I like to draw it was I had one notebook I had one pen the pen fit into the spiral binding of the book it was a drawing kit that just went with me on the go everywhere and recently I have uh, gotten into more as I get hired for more illustration projects I have to have uh, I have to know where my art kit is and it can't just be the ballpoint pen. So I have an art pouch. It's a canvas bag with a zipper for pencils that my wife got at the New York Public Library. It has the logo on one side. And on the other, it has this wonderful quote from Michelangelo, the famous painter, and it just says, I am still learning. I love that. Uh, it was a wonderful gift. It was, uh, she got out cheap. It was probably only like $400. She gave me this thing, and I, now I get to keep in it uh, all sorts of wonderful uh, it's still a simple drawing kit. There's probably only eight pens in it with one pencil and an eraser and a sharpener. And the sharpener isn't even for the pencil because I use a mechanical pencil, but every now and then... Actually, yeah, the reason I got it is because I started using... Uh, I started experimenting with black colored pencil to add a, like a different layer of black, a little bit of texture to it, blah, blah, blah. You know, art talk, yank. Um... But uh, I was thinking about pencils and how the reason I, I didn't use pencils for a long time is I had this youthful idea that an artist should just be able to create and you, the spontaneity of the line, but also it was really just an excuse for me to be lazy and not have to carry extra crap around. And I got pretty good at 
like imagining the lines before I drew them, but there there were often mistakes, and I, got, and I got really good at justifying the mistakes after they were down there in ink. You know, oh, you know, the, I drew the nose too big. Okay, well, now the guy has a tree growing out of his face. It was great for kind of finding creative solutions, but it wasn't great for necessarily uh, bringing my ideas to fruition. It was kind of a commando attack at getting ideas down on paper as quickly as possible and then just moving along. But the quality of the work was much lower. The The lines were often a little bit smudged or they were not as flu- fluid as I would like. Like if if you draw someone standing behind a tree, for instance, instead of a tree growing out of their face, you have to draw them on one side of the tree and on the other side of the tree and then the tree in the middle. And in order to do that with a pen, you have to kind of imagine the drawing... Uh, imagine the figure behind the tree. Then when I moved into penciling, I discovered that the other end of the pencil had this thing that you could erase. So I could actually draw through the tree, the entire figure, and then just erase, erase out the parts that weren't working, that were not part of the illustration. With a pencil also, I'm allowed to make mistakes. And I can make lots of mistakes and it got me realizing some something that really always bugs me when I watch amateurs or beginners drawing. They will often, like, they, they imagine the line they're going to draw and they painstakingly carefully draw the line. And then they'll look at the line and then throw their hands up and start erasing out the line. And then they'll try drawing the line again and it won't go the way they like and they erase it again. And I realized that that's not the way to draw. That's not the way to get things worked out quickly or even efficiently or even well and what i've discovered is you draw the same line 10 times in the same place just keep drawing and drawing and drawing until you start to see the line you want and then instead of trying to draw the line perfect the first time you do nine failures and the 10th one hits or maybe the seventh one hits and and then you just erase around it you delete the part that isn't working rather than trying to do a perfect line it was news to me when I figured that, that, that I realized I had figured that out. And now it's just really grueling to watch other people when they sit down and try to draw the line out perfectly the first time. And so once I figured that out, I draw in pencil very lightly. And then later on, I go over with pen and ink and make the, or, or paint, depending on the piece. And my work has improved immensely just because I use something to create the skeleton and then cover the skeleton with the, the meat, the, the colors, the, the pigments, uh, the, the final stuff. And at the end, you can just erase the skeleton. It's like when you build an archway out of stone, you don't pile stones on top of each other and then across the arch and down the other side. You build a structure for the keystone to sit on top of. You build all the stones in and then you pull the structure out and all the stones will settle around it. That's pretty much what pencils are. It's creating the structure to be built around and then you erase later. One reason I never like pencils is because they change as you use them. They get duller and then uh, I used to be lazy. I'd want to draw, uh, draw or write as long as possible with a pencil before sharpening it because sharpening it is extra work and I'm inherently lazy. I believe that human beings are inherently lazy and that's why we have technology to make our lives easier. Uh, I was once told by a friend, 
talking about getting a job in her office and I said, uh, you know, you know, I probably don't want to work in your office. I don't, I don't think I'd be a good worker for this particular type of job. And she, she said, why? And I said, well, I'm basically lazy. And she said, that's the kind of people that really thrive in this sort of work. It, it was actually at the U.S. Patent Office or one of the branches of the Patent Office. And she said, that, yeah, the people who are best at this sort of job are intelligent, lazy people because they find the most efficient way to get the job done. And I never thought of it that way, but I've formulated my opinion about all humanity uh, out of that one comment. Lazy people are the ones who have made the world a better place. Lazy, intelligent people. And I consider myself reasonably intelligent. Because it's my podcast and you can't speak back to it, I guess I'm right. Actually, you've, you can leave a comment below, but that's another story. Uh, that you, you have to do that on your own time. Right now I can sit here oblivious to any dissent to my assertion that I am intelligent. So, moving right along... So the one thing I, I didn't like was sharpening pencils, but I also remember the, the old yellow pencil with the metal ferrule on the top with a, uh, that's the name of that thing uh, that holds on the eraser, a ferrule, F-E-R-R-U-L-E. You erase and you erase and erase. And as a, as a kid, you do a lot of erasing because kids make a lot of mistakes because they're objectively stupid. So they make a lot of mistakes and they do a lot of erasing. And also they draw like that. They draw to make the one line perfect and they then then they oh it's not perfect and they erase the whole thing rather than drawing 10 lines lightly and erasing just the part that they need to get rid of and you don't have to erase so hard because you drew lightly not that i have an opinion on it but we're gonna just talk about the eraser itself i remember you know when i was a kid the erasers on the pencils always got really dull real fast and they went straight down to the ferrule so when you went to, to erase on the paper you would start tearing the paper you rub and rub and the, the eraser's flat and you think if you rub harder, you're going to make the eraser work better because, you know, you push down, you get more eraser out. But no, the, the metal starts tearing the page. But I learned this wonderful life hack when I was like in, in second grade because there's always a little bit of eraser left inside under the ferrule because that's what the ferrule has to hold on to. It has to hold on to a piece of the thing it's holding so that some of it is above the metal and some is inside. If you bend the metal, it squeezes the rubber out a little more. You get a little more eraser. So I used to bite the ends of the ferrule to, to squeeze out the rubber and that got me an extra like two erasures back down to the metal and I still I have so many papers that I just torn up with the metal because I, I was maybe what seven eight years old I was stupid I was extremely stupid because I was a child and like I said children objectively are stupid I was once a child I mean I'm a genius but I'm a, I was also stupid that was part of the problem is people did not recognize my genius so I just figured well why bother and and so that's why I was stupid it's because of other people that I was stupid then and it's just because of my own strength of character that I'm now a genius sitting in the woods ranting into my phone. So once I realized this about drawing with pencil and being able to erase and actually implementing it, because I've, I've known this secret for years, but as someone who wanted to create more notes, commando, rather than finished work in my sketchbook, I just didn't care so much. I just wanted to have a simple, portable art kit, which was low pressure, low maintenance, and easily replaceable. And now that I carry around a, a pouch with more options, I get to create better stuff when I'm on the fly and, and enjoy the process of drawing more. But along with that comes the curse, because 
once I started putting more time and energy into the fundamentals of the finished work, penciling before I ink, then I, I figured, well, if I want to draw something that I see in my head, it's much better for me to do some research, get a, either draw something, draw, the, draw an object from life or draw an object from a photograph. And Google Images is fantastic for that. I was talking to a friend of mine who used to work for Marvel Comics back in the 1980s. I'm going to say 80s and 90s. I met him in the early 90s, so and his, his career was done with them by then. He and I were talking about Google Images, and he, he said, you know, back in his day, if he wanted to draw a thing, like a horse, he, he had to do a lot of horses for one uh, period piece that he was illustrating. He had to go to the public library and find the books that had pictures of horses in them and, you know, try to piece together the idea of a horse and draw it. It was a really fine draftsman. He was unable to draw a horse without actually seeing a horse. I mean, you could approximate it, but it's better if you pick up details from the actual thing. Me, like I said, I was always kind of lazy and I got really far pulling the gesture of an object out of my head. It's kind of like doing a caricature. You don't do something photorealistically, you do, you draw the object. Exaggerations of the key elements of the, the object. Like, for instance, you draw a horse. A horse has a mane. You draw the ha- you draw the mane and a long snout and hooves. And everything else is just kind of filler. You want to draw a giraffe? It's a horse with a long neck. If you want to draw an elephant, it's a really fat horse with three three toes on each foot. You don't need a lot of draftsmanship to be able to convey these ideas. In fact, sometimes it stands in the way, like when you play Pictionary. Uh, if you've played Pictionary, it's a it's a timed drawing game. You get a card, you have to draw the thing on the card for your partner who has to guess what you're drawing in 30 seconds or less. Artists tend to fail at this game. They take too long. They are trying to do things photorealistically, or they, they, they get too into the process rather than playing the game. I was really good at the game because I didn't care about the process. I just wanted to win. I see things very iconically. I break things down to what is the simplest way to convey the idea of an elephant, a horse, a giraffe. But now I'm doing, I'm taking a little more time, looking more deeper into what I'm drawing and trying to convey uh, more elegant images of the things I'm drawing. Not only am I doing penciling before inking, now before I get to the penciling, I'm doing research. And before I do the research, or once I do the research, I've learned that you do a, a rough sketch first before you even do the final sketch that you ink. And then I learned that if you want to really get, get into it, you do thumbnails or iterations. I've started printing out this grid on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. I just make the grid in Photoshop. And then, then I have a dozen little boxes on a page and I, I lay out different versions of the same drawing a dozen times. And so I get the feel for what that thing is. I, I have like pages and pages of dragons and of Donald Trump and my oyster character. It's, it's a way of getting out there and doing it, and, and rather than doing it right the first time, like the kid with the pencil, it's failing faster and learning from each failure. And every time you fail, you do something right and you do something wrong. But if you never try, you neither succeed nor fail. So failing faster, when, when there's low stakes, you, do, you know you're going to do a dozen. You know some of them are going to be terrible. Some of them are going to be good. Even the terrible ones are going to have something you like. Or at least you've gotten that terrible thing out of your system and you've learned what not to do. Just pulling out a pencil and starting to use pencil has really made me work harder. And this is really the lazy child inside me is screaming, but the adult in me is really enjoying the product uh, of the process. And actually, I'm enjoying the process too. 
I'm learning more. I'm I'm failing faster, and art has been become more fun. And I see that as a lower impact way of moving forward beyond jumping around on stage, jump, getting on unicycles, six feet in the air. And this reminds me of the way I got into performing in the first place. I saw funny people on TV. I heard funny people on the radio, and I thought, wow, I want to be funny. So I learned to juggle, learned to juggle balls and clubs. I think I got one fire torch. I learned a couple of tricks. I got a gig at a street festival and. Baltimore. I went out with a bag of tricks. I had not thought through what I'm going to do. I just figured I, I'll start with the balls, do the thing with the clubs, and then do some fire. I, and I think, I'm not sure if I'd started the apple eating uh, bit then or not. I opened up my case and just like in ink, I started talking to people. Whatever came out of my mouth, that was it. There was no rehearsal, no writing, <laughs> no research. I just had some tricks. I guess it's kind of like this podcast now. I'm, I'm shooting from the hip today, but my, my entire podcast is... Uh, normally, I, I, I guess I'm tipping my hand here. Normally, I write down some of what I'm going to say, and I, I riff a little bit. And today, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So I have some notes on the back of an envelope that I'm working from. So I don't know if that makes things better or worse. But as I've matured as an entertainer, I've realized if I'm going to create new material and it's not for the street, the street is a very specific type of performing, as is the circus, as is the stage, as is corporate event, etc., etc. If I want to develop new material, I have to be ready before I step onto that stage. So now when I'm creating new routines, uh, as I have over the last 10 years through Clown Cabaret, which led me to co-writing two shows and then writing a solo show, I realized that before you step on stage, you have to rehearse something. In order to rehearse that thing, you have to write that thing. And in order to write that thing, you have to research that thing. And once you've written the thing, you have to rewrite it and rewrite it and nip it and tuck it and take out the bits that aren't working. And then even after it gets on stage, the audience may not receive it the way you're intending it. You have to rewrite even after it's tested. But the more writing and rehearsing and research you do before you first get on stage, the less you have to do later and the more impact you're going to have. And I think audiences can tell when you know your stuff. And to appear like you know your stuff, it does help to rehearse. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Jerry Lewis, famous for improv, off the cuff performing and he said yeah the best ad lib is the, the one i've rehearsed for three days mistakes can be fun mistakes can be funny but the best mistakes are the ones that are planned so as i write and i create and i rehearse i research all this to go into the performance whenever you see uh, artwork of any sort dance singing theater uh painting drawing you know musical performance Whenever you experience art, you're seeing it's like the the tip of an iceberg is like one tenth of the total mass of the iceberg. And icebergs can, are massive and nine tenths of them are under the water. And that's what you're looking at when you see artwork or comedy. As a kid, I thought, I'm funny. I want to be like that guy on TV or on stage. You step on stage and you might get lucky. You might say some good stuff. But the people who really succeed are the ones who work really hard and you don't see the nine-tenths of what they do that's under the water. And then clients ask me why I charge so much for a 45-minute show. Speaking of which, if you're listening to this and you work for a company that has a holiday party, I would love to hear about it because holiday parties can be dry. Holiday parties can be kind of boring if they're not well-attended. And sometimes people don't just want the DJ playing music they don't like. So if you think your holiday party could use some punch-up from possibly a comedy juggling act from someone you apparently enjoy listening to, 
drop me a line. Maybe your HR director is the one who does the planning for the party. I would love to have that contact information and whether or not I can drop your name. My private email is simply richpotter at gmail.com. That's R-I-C-H-P-O-T-T-E-R at gmail.com. Drop me a line. This has been a special message from this podcast sponsor, me. You can learn more about my show from richpotter.net. You can also find more about uh, me. You're probably on richpotter.com listening to this, but uh, that's more about everything I do. Uh, Richpotter.net is my professional juggling site. I'm so happy you joined me today. This has been the What's So Funny podcast with Rich Potter. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes on Wednesdays.